1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out. And uh, we
2: go for it. Hello and welcome to the worst idea of all time, season four. Promises made, promises unmade. Guy Montgomery, you're joining me from New York City. We swore to never do this format again.
0: Uh, how are you? Yeah, good. Look, I believe the turn of phrases is promises are broken. And I, yeah. I don't know who to be upset for at this broken promise, whether it's uh, one another, ourselves, or for you, anyone listening along. It uh, fills my heart with dread and glee. To tell you that uh, Tim Batt and myself have both just
2: sat down and poured Hold on, hold on. Before we get into the film. How, like, what... I Can I just say, I, I want to put it on the record, first episode. It's It's been a long time between drinks. I think we've been uh, off format for uh, not quite a year, but sort of heading up to, I would say. Nine months or so, does that sound about right? That sounds about right. I was, um, very pumped about jumping back in the pool with you, big boy, but I kind of forgot the fact that we are separated by a great distance, and I think it's really going to change the complexion of a whole season, uh, God have mercy on us, we will attempt to get through a whole 52 episodes of this, and, um, after one watch, I was, I was not in a good zone, and I actually woke up this morning with stomach cramps, and, uh, so that's going to vomit, which I can only associate with getting back into the worst idea viewings. It's actually
0: called getting back into worst idea
2: shape. And I understand you also have oh, okay. a, a
0: physio appointment not long after this for a runner's yeah. knee. So who's to say what's attributable to your you know rigorous exercise regimen and what's attributable to the uh, spectre of 52 weeks of this? Now, uh, obviously... I was, about, I was building up to saying something. Uh, we've danced around it. But what I want you all to know is Tim Bat and I both just sat down and poured over the two-hour and 30-minute uh, body of work that comprises Michael Patrick King's original love letter to the movie format with the characters made so popular by the HBO series. Uh, Tim Bat and myself have just watched Sex and the City. Open parenthesis, one, I guess, close parenthesis, or
2: open parenthesis, the film, close parenthesis. Yeah, the movie is how I've seen it being depicted online. Uh, 2008? Am I right in saying that?
0: You are right in saying that. I I was but two years out of high school. I was a second year university student at at Victoria University of Wellington. I was living in Torrens Terrace. Uh, a very run-down block of flats at the top of Cuba Street, uh, uh, part of town, or specifically that building known for its partying
2: antics, and boy, did I party. Tim, where were you? Um, funnily enough, I might have been... Oh, no, at that point I had moved, but I used to live just around the corner from you in the QBA apartments, which are at the top of Cuba, which were kind of the nice version of the ones you were living at. I went to a party or two oh, in your building, you better Fucking dumb, mate! Just above the Hell Pizza, there, guy, used to wander down in my dressing gown with my millions of dollars, for I was a, a twenty-year-old with a full-time job. I can only imagine. I actually, I remember a going to a, a
0: party in that building and thinking, "Oh, wow! So this is how the other half live." Uh, so, my congratulations to that that former version of yourself. Uh, look, first things first, Tim. Obviously, yeah. it's, quite an, it's an interesting order to watch uh, the movies, any sort of <laughs> movies in. Uh, and yeah. knowing what we know about how things unfold in the second movie, it's almost like... Um, it's, it's really interesting. I feel like it was sort of like uh, we'd sort of tried to build the middle of a jigsaw puzzle, but
2: we hadn't done the border yet. And this is like watching yep. someone
0: assemble the border.
2: Yeah, very much so. What I liked is that they put a bridge at the start between the series as a refresher. It was like a previously on Sex and the City to bring you right back up to speed just to help out all the people who had wandered into the cinema uh, not aware of the franchise or what the characters have been through. I, I mean, I'll tell you that... who those
0: people were, Tim. Those were yeah. uh, those were partners. Those were
2: boyfriends yeah. and husbands. That's what I suspected as well. Um, so it really brought you back up to speed with all of the, the journeys and the arcs. But it was also quite a... There was a bit of a... ...distance between the end of the TV series and the first movie, right?
0: Look, I I mean, again, uh, I mean, while I I feel like we've filled out the jigsaw as far as it can go... ...I have been made aware that this was a substantially popular television program before either of those movies... (laughs) Uh, it's it's impossible for me to know what we've missed between the end of the series and the start of the movie. But I loved it. It just starts at such a clip. They go, bang, 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 bang. Here are the four primary characters you need to concern yourself with. Here's the format. Here's how we're dealing with it. Let's
2: make a fucking movie. But then true to form, boy, the brakes come on hard and they don't stay off. It is a movie stuck in second gear with also the handbrake firmly pointing to the sun. Oh, my friend. We could not be coming at this from
0: more different angles. Two and a half hours is long for any film, but I would describe what I just watched as a romp. We had, as opposed to what we had in Sex and City 2, uh, three and a half almost storylines crammed into the film, as opposed to the zero that the, the sequel tallied. Uh, look, I enjoyed it all. Like, I enjoyed this film all the way up to, um, I mean, I, I don't think it's a spoiler to talk about the plot line of a movie that was released 10 years ago. Uh, Big and Carrie's reunion when they are in the wardrobe at the apartment that they've sold, the, the glitzy penthouse. Um, all the way up until then, I was like, hey, we're having fun. This is all right. And then when I saw them get back together and I considered I'd have to watch the mess they create for themselves before patching it up again and again and again i was smiling along i laughed aloud uh a few times there's one i can specifically remember i mean i don't live in fear of
2: this yet let's enjoy ourselves the movie will never look better sweet ignorant guy I really wish I had brought your attitude to my watch, and it could have been colored by the fact that I have put it off as long as possible. This is a a two-and-a-half-hour movie, and I ended up starting the watch at 11 p.m. last night, and then um, (laughs) I was anticipating breaking it into two bite-sized pieces, so I'd wake up early and, and finish the second half, but I was like, oh, fuck it, I'll just watch the whole thing now, and then I can sort of sleep in. And um, I can't tell you how many times I kept looking at how long there was to go and just being shocked to see a time code of one hour and 40 minutes left. I was just oh. like, are you kidding me, man? man
0: this is the, you, you call me sweet, ignorant guy. You're sweet, ignorant Tim. Watching it for the first time, knowing it clocks in at a girthy two and a half hours at 11 p.m. Oh, on there? a school yeah. night... I mean, yeah. that is tantamount to self-harm, Tim. That is like, you, you know you've got to hit this in the daytime. Even splitting it would have been a nice idea. No one enjoys watching a movie they don't want to when they're feeling tired. I'm just thinking you know, of you w- up and alone at 12.30am on a Thursday morning,
2: trudging yeah. through the remaining hour of this film. Of course you didn't enjoy yourself. Do you know what's going to happen as well? And this, this is uh, this is a foregone conclusion. A true inevitability. This will be, I think, the shape of a lot of watches. Because the time zone uh, variable that we've thrown into the mix here is not insignificant. We're sort of at very awkward um, opposite ends of the day. And I, I do like to watch the movie as close as I can to a record just to get a fresh perspective to pour into the microphone. I'd, I look my kingdom for your enthusiasm for that first watch, guy. Truly, I wish I had it, um, but I don't think I could even muster it if I sort of made the decision to get positive about okay, this thing okay. because it, uh, it was just it was it was hard. It's hard work. Yeah, yeah. And before you hard work.
0: before you launch into your various problems with the film, and I'm not over here telling you that we just watched a perfect bit of cinema. Uh I would love to just try and milk some positivity out of you while I may. If you could share sure. your shining light for this the first screening of Sex in the City.
2: Oh wow. Shining light. Uh crow. Do I I'm gonna paint with a really broad brush this episode and say just like Samantha. Everyone else has got their shitty little problems, and Samantha is just this perpetual beam of light shining through. She seems to be the only real character, you know? She's had an actual problem, she had to get chemo, which they talk about, um, and now she's just loving life. I feel like it colours her whole character in a really positive way. She out to fuck, and she don't mind who knows it. And she's struggling to um, consolidate that with her relationship to Smith Garrett, uh, which we really get to see the contours of in this this movie. I don't want to put carts before horses, but I, like, I've got a very bad memory. How the fuck did... How, I don't understand how the ending of this film with the Smith, Smith Garrett relationship connects to the second film. Uh, because it ends on like it ends
0: on good on good terms, it's quite an amicable, uh, a conscious uncoupling, in the great words so, of so, uh, health and well-being guru Gwyneth Paltrow. I feel like they end on decent terms, out. and mm. uh, accordingly, you know, Samantha's not ending it because uh, she she wants a relationship with someone else. She's ending it because all she really wants is a relationship with herself has doesn't mean her and Smith Garrett can't link up in fucking Tallahassee and bump uglies every now and
2: then. Gotcha. Or the Middle East, as the case may be. So there is all of this to say I've forgotten what the line is, Guy. Uh, truly, there was a line that I really loved delivered by Samantha. I can't remember what it was. Can I Can I guess um, what it is? Yeah, yeah, go for it. It's an it experimentation
0: if you it. in our synchronicity.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Carrie's been jilted the four friends decide to go on the honeymoon together by way of solidarity to support I mean what is understandably an absolutely devastated Carrie Bradshaw. Uh, they look around the it, it's I mean reminiscent of when they arrive at the opulent hotel in Sex in the city too only they're looking at sort of the the, the condo or bung- bungalow wherein uh, big and Carrie would have spend their honeymoon. Uh, a beautiful view of an azure ocean across a balcony. Uh, like undeniably beautiful and Samantha says to herself this will kill her ah oh, good but not it oh man that line was the biggest laugh I had I was like that was when I shared a comic sensibility to the syllable with one of the characters because it's tr- it's true you know saying it doesn't mean that it devalues it it was funny I could feel uh, the bond of friendship between them but I mean, you know, like I was, I was really in the, I was really in the movie at that point.
2: That's great, man. I'm so happy for you.
0: <laughs> this is like
2: <laughs> the start of an exciting relationship that I know is going to go south at some point. But like you're, you're having a good time with this movie, and I love that.
0: Yeah. So you you don't remember the the Samantha line, but Samantha's general presence was your shining
2: light. i'm gonna go with that this time yeah i can't remember the line i will get it in subsequent watches i'll tell you that for free what was your shining light guy (laughs) just like to say dire straits for your prospects if you're one of your highlight from the first mate this is what happens when (laughs) you're forced to watch a film in the middle of the night your brain gets scrambled it's all jumbled up the entirety of someone's
0: character uh, well, mine was going to be the line I just shared, but uh, oh, I no. enjoyed the movie to such an extent that you need not worry. There's there's plenty more. I enjoyed the um, the curtains drawn, lights up, no holds barred approach to uh, sort of the, the raunchiness of the film. Something that was sorely lacking in its sequel was just how Truly. out and out horny these motherfuckers are. Uh, you know, you've got... Um, I'm specifically right now thinking of uh, Dante's dick or Dante's oh, yeah. peak, if you will. Uh, yeah, yep, Samantha yep. accidentally stumbles into her sexed-up neighbor, uh, and this is the guy who's causing sort of the bulk of her consternation about being in a relationship, is that uh, she sort of uh, regards her, her neighbor in Los Angeles as uh, the male equivalent of her, a different lady every night he fucks uh, just... Unrelentingly. I don't know what this guy does for work. All he appears to do is have sex with a
2: beautiful woman. And this really turns Samantha on. And yeah, and the he ocean, does, that's true. He, he he has sex with the ocean on on top of surfboard often. Uh, that's right. If
0: you want to fuck the ocean, take up surfing. Uh but so she got and she her, her little dog that she buys, who's also a representation of her horniness because it's been neutered but it humps everything in sight, runs up onto this uh, Dante enjoying an outdoor shower. And this is not long after we've seen, I believe it's not long after, or like, I mean, on top of this, by way of raunchiness, we've got two pretty powerful sex scenes between uh, Steve and Miranda. Um, you know, we've got. Just it, it just it just feels like it's having more fun, it's more confident in itself than the second film, which is such a weird comparison point. And I think that might be part of why I enjoyed it is because I am drawing a very direct line between the two. Uh, but when we saw The Penis, yeah. I mean, I feel like there must have been a conversation around that because it's not, you know, like at, 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 at the time of release back in 08. Uh, but I was like, wow, we're
2: really out here. I loved it. I loved Dante's Peak. We didn't see a ton of Dante's Peak, though. It was a, a titillating view of it. There was a, it, it came on screen. We saw it. It was a co-star. Um, Chucker in the credits. Uh, right under whatever the real guy's name is. We'll find that out later. Many opportunities. But Dante's Peak made just a, a tantalizing sort of... It, it was a side boob equivalent, but for Dick. A little side deck. I thought. That's... I think, and I feel like that's part of what I loved about it. It was so it was tantalizing.
0: It was so it was like oh, and also I mean we didn't get a lot of it, but what I did see, it it looked post ejaculate to me, uh, which sort of okay. ups, ups the raunchiness again. I mean I don't know I don't know a lot about penis size,
2: um, but the guy looked it looked weighty man, you know. Well, uh, you're gonna look if you if you're going to be casting for that role, I think he's got two and a half lines in the entire film. You're going to want to see the penis in the casting room. You know, you're going to want to see what you're dealing with. This is going to be a centerpiece for the film. People are going to talk about Dante's peak. Uh, someone may make a podcast about it decades from release. You, you're going to want to get that knob right. That's right. Uh, but I, yeah,
0: look, I mean, that just, it felt like the movie was having fun with itself. And that
2: was sort of a, it was, it was a treat um on the uh exposure of bodies front as well weirdly so <clears throat> what I kept thinking about in this movie was sarah Jessica parker's fingerprints were all over it the entire thing was so constructed to put her in uh the best light possible and s- sort of to have as few things like sticky points of actual conflict that would travel with her outside of the film as possible I- I'll try and d- dig into what I'm talking about here. I'm pretty sure we see we de- we definitely see uh, Cynthia Nixon's naked breasts as she's having um, passionate lovemaking se- session with the mayor of New York, Steve. And we also uh, I think see Charlotte's breasts at one point, but I can't remember when. Is that right?
0: Uh, I'm with you. I, I mean, I uh, hazy memory of it's there, but I
2: also uh, don't I got, remember I got a the sense in there there t- t- Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker, we, we, we don't uh, see any of that stuff. And there's even an exchange where they're talking about in their respective relationships how much sex they all have uh, on the regular. Miranda hasn't had sex in six months inside of her marriage, you see, which is creating um, some issues. Charlotte announces that she has sex uh, two to three times a week with uh, Runkle and talk about a shining light. Could not express... My joy at seeing the wrinkle, Crankle back on what was originally a big screen, but for me, quite a small screen in the middle of the night in New Zealand in my bed. It was something special. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Um, and Samantha announces that she has sex all the time, loves sex, can't get enough of it. And Sarah Jessica Parker, Carrie Bradshaw, refuses to partake of the conversation whatsoever. They ask her, they try to elicit how many times she has sex from her. These are inextricably linked women who have been spiritual besties for eons. And she will not share with the group after they have laid their sexual souls bare That's how right, much you, intercourse the woman is getting. Do you know, Tim, she says something uh, which to me was
0: almost uh, more personal, like to to the point of line-crossing. Says so something oh, yeah. even more <laughs> salacious and like just <laughs> dripping in the filthiest fucking cummy innuendo. She says, uh, like by way of sort of a winking confessional, when big colors well,
2: explain the metaphor though. Oh I've yeah, yeah. yeah. So sorry, sorry, Lily right. is there. Yeah, yeah. So uh,
0: they're not allowed to say the word sex because uh, Lily and Rankles' uh, beautiful daughter, adopted daughter Lily, is there. Um. I say adopted because it was nice to see that part of the storyline. I mean, because Charlotte's storyline is essentially, uh, you know, her her looming and eventual pregnancy and birth. I, Holy shit! This I don't want to spend some
2: time. There's a lot of stuff. I, I also I don't want to blip your spot, but you did accidentally just say it was uh, Lily's daughter, Lily. It's this isn't a um, uh, one of those awful situations of Hollywood directors sort of you know having it off with the stepchild or anything like that. Is it's Charlotte and Runkle's daughter, Lily.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I apologize. Uh, but so uh, they changed the word to coloring So because she's coloring in. So they use that as a metaphor. So when they're talking about coloring, they're actually talking about intercourse. And uh, so this conversation plays out. Carrie, as Tim is detailed, refuses to divulge how often her and Big have sex, uh, creating more intrigue, not just for the friends, but also the viewers. And then sort of as a, a compromise or like, you know, some sort of, Uh, consolation prize, she says, uh, I won't won't say blah, 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 but when big colors, he really stays inside the lines. And it's meant to be this sort of pithy throwaway one-liner that answers all without saying anything. But it just throws up all sorts of disgusting scenarios in my mind where I'm like, well, what constitutes coloring outside the lines?
2: I mean, come everywhere. Let's not beat around the bush. (laughs) The guy has got ejaculate everywhere and it'll be a mess. An absolute mess. Have some yeah. consideration, Big <laughs> Now can we talk about Big in this film, Guy Montgomery? New York oh. City's favourite financier. What a fuck. He this guy. Is, he's
0: such a sad sack in this movie. And like he, he is. Some of the suits he wears, I know that fashion doesn't age, but there's a particular suit he wears when they're first uh, inspecting the, I believe the the fancy penthouse apartment that is uh, purportedly beyond their means. Until Big says, "I've got this," but he's wearing this suit while they're looking in the tiny little wardrobe. I mean, it is just it's it's baggy, too baggy <laughs> through the legs, but also like tapered, like short leg to the point of. We used to call them hover pants in uh, intermediate and, pr- and like uh, middle school <laughs> so that we could taunt anyone who, who didn't wear pants that were long enough for their legs. The guy's wearing fucking like, I don't know, straight legged. <laughs> like three quarter pants. I didn't notice that. Yeah, this. like straight legged capris. I mean, they're, wow. they're baggy in all the wrong spots. I was, frankly, disgusted. <laughs> and there is a parade of other questionable fashion, you know, on display by so many characters. And they're like, is it, I don't know what was going on in Chris Knott's
2: personal life at the time of
0: shooting, this... but he did not have his shit together <laughs>
2: at all. This, is, this is coming from a man who regularly revels in the absurdity and obnoxiousness of his own dress. I mean, you wore a hat. Made of towel material in a color I can only describe as electric puke for ages. You love that? I still hat. wear it. Um. Yeah, look, I mean. <laughs> and you're giving shit to Chris Knoth. Time man. may. Time may be not.
0: Time may not be kind to the hat. Uh, and I, I'm fully aware of the that. And I wear it secure in isn't the knowledge. Kind to yeah, the hat. yeah. No one is kind to the hat. However, I persist. I feel like. Uh, I mean, maybe that was the style that Big was going for on that day. But it seems unlikely to me. It makes me uneasy to think of this man <laughs> who's holding this. He, holds, he wears suits every day. He must have a wardrobe full of suits. Like, it's just, there are so many things about it that ring. Uh, it, 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 it bothered me so much. The other thing <laughs> I thought about with Big is like, this is a guy with no mates. You don't see a suit. Yeah. The only person who's introduced as being close to Big's friend is um, the, the arsehole at the rehearsal dinner who sort of keeps interjecting and sort of throwing shade on the fact that Big's been married before. He doesn't have any friends. I mean, for me, the big and big stands for big suit and big red flag. And uh, I'm proven right and will be time and again.
2: That's his boss, right? That guy is talking shit about him. I think he's just some arsehole who Big's still friends with because he can't shake him off. No, I think he's a partner at the firm. I think that's uh, a a higher up for Big. And that's the thing. This is someone who he brought to the rehearsal dinner. Like, he clearly doesn't have any mates because he's packing it out with colleagues. It is kind of sad, but I think that's a thing that can happen um, to older men. They they lose their friends and stuff. But Big's a... As you say, he's a real sad sack in this film. He... Spoiler alert, and there's going to be a bit of that. They're going to get married. They kind of have this, um, trip over a proposal style situation the movie kind of opens with them discovering this incredible penthouse apartment which i can only imagine the gall with which an audience was willing to accept this in the midst of a financial crisis orchestrated by new york real estate realtors selling oversized uh, you know bundling up mortgages I, I, that, and, and selling them for more than they were worth this must have left a very metallic taste in the audience mouth Absolutely. That's the sort of thing I almost want to trace back to the series because
0: I feel like uh, the characters probably became successful over the course of the HBO show, which sort of uh, doesn't necessarily earn them the right, but explains away some of the tone-deaf uh, extravagance. Um, I and think like, you I right. guess, you, you know, and, and people want to see these characters who they love so dearly living their best lives on screen. But, I mean, I couldn't yeah. agree more. Uh, and, I, I mean, there's... I, don't, I mean, I, maybe, maybe Carrie Bradshaw's sense of humor isn't for me. But like when you know when they go and they see the wardrobe and they're saying, "How can anyone have a, get a divorce in a place like this?" You know, when they're being shown around. Uh, yeah. And uh, then Carrie opens the wardrobe and she says, uh, "Well, now it's a small little closet." And she says, "Well, now I understand the divorce." Uh, oh, because it's too if, small. Yeah. The walk-in yeah, yeah. closet is too small in its original state. That's right. Uh, that I mean, that line felt laboured. I don't know. It's a it's petty. I mean, this is the sort of complaint I should be reserving for, for ways down the track. But um, I yeah, look. Well, I mean, you you sound like you've got stuff to say about Big. What did you make of him in this film?
2: Well, Big. I, we'll we'll get back to Big in a second. But you've kind of you, you dragged me into a thing which kept coming back to me through this film, and call me a fucking lefto pinky communist if you must, podcast listener. But holy shit, every problem in this film is attempted to be solved with buying some stuff. I mean, doesn't matter what's going on, money is the solution. And again, like the timing of this film just couldn't have been more awkward, I imagine, when it got released. People were losing their bloody 401ks, you know? Retirement funds were being pissed away because of the irresponsible actions of people like Big. And we're supposed to enjoy these women? Who on a whim, are off on shopping trips, buying up Versace and Gucci goods? My word! Anyway, as you say, they probably earned it through the course of the series and the fans that they had, um, uh, you know, pulled through over the years on the HBO show. Which, you know, credit where it's due, due was groundbreaking. Big in this movie. Um, Sort of starts as a highfalutin banker type who is kind of a suave, smooth-talking guy. Finally, he and I, Carrie together. I will not give That's you great. suave on account of the suits. They tried to uh, sort of present him as suave, I think. Would you well, not I'll tell you who didn't that? try to present him as suave.
0: Who? The wardrobe department. Yeah, <laughs> that suit is a
2: goddamn go. war crime so then he kind of transitions from that to uh emotionally defunct man child when he can't quite navigate the proper um pathways of of getting this wedding together with carrie after they agree to get married because carrie's insecure about him owning the entire apartment um so they decide uh, a wedding (laughs) marriage what better reason for marriage could there be than shared real estate legalese and so they, they pursue that avenue. Um, and then he freaks out because this is his third marriage and leaves her at the altar. And then for the about half of the movie, he's just kind of this sad ghost uh, lingering in corners, trying to chase her down to apologize and uh, and and win her back. Um, he, he is a bit of a, a sad ghost. But, I mean,
0: you, you are right. Because that, that, as the movie was, you know, ripping along towards this wedding... I was thinking, whole I mean, I was like, God, everything's happening so quickly here. How's this gonna last two and a half hours? Because within the first hour, there is already yeah. so much going on. You know, you've got the yeah, the wedding, right. you've got the proposal, the planning, and then the absence of the wedding. You've got uh, Miranda and Steve's relationship being torn asunder by his infidelity because she's too busy at work to satisfy what he needs sexually. You've got Samantha perving. I mean, what she's doing seems incredibly illegal. Literally, just like by day and night, watching her neighbor Dante fuck up uh, a souffle. I was going to say Storm, but I wanted to say souffle. And then you've got Charlotte, who's not really given a storyline until later in the film. But it's like, it, it feels like it, it picks up where the show leaves off. Again, having, having not really seen it, but like, it feels like it's true to the show. It feels like there's somewhat even distribution amongst the characters. And it's th- things are really humming along, and I'm like, oh wow! And then, I mean, that, the second act, you do get stuck a bit, just in the, you know, the, and I guess that that's part of the story. But Carrie's obviously heartbroken, wandering around New York City, um, in Mexico first, but like he, Big is reduced to a ghost. But would would you disagree that I mean, that, that, I think that's part of what's got me excited. Is it's like they've written storylines for the other characters, Sex in the City two. Carrie's storyline didn't warrant a film, and they didn't attend to anyone else's wants or needs. So it was just this two-and-a-half-hour fucking dehydration marathon
2: in the desert. You're right, man. You're so right. I, you're, you're so right. And I'm so worried about me and both of us because <laughs> I didn't enjoy it on the first watch. And that was my one shot. I'm fucking blowing it. I am Mister Big at the altar, you know. Everything was laid out for me. We had a wonderful wedding with great people. Invited all our favourites along, and I couldn't even fucking man up and enjoy that. What hope is there for the rest of this relationship? Oh, look, man, you know, you know how things are. Uh, It's
0: this is. I mean, this is like any relationship. There's ups and downs. There's compromise. you know, not every day is perfect. I feel like the an apt metaphor is actually drawn from the film when uh, Samantha is reckoning with the fact that she, she's not happy in a relationship and she has to break up with Smith Jarrett. And uh, she says... Oh, they ask her, Are you, are you happy? And uh, she says she hasn't been happy for five years. And then, you know, she's sort of uh, pontificating that maybe that's what relationships are, is that you don't get to be happy. And they ask Charlotte, and she says... I'm happy every day, not all day every day, but every day. Uh, and I feel like Charlotte, and let me tell you, you horny little scamp, you sound like you're being a real Samantha. Who are you talking to? Who, me? Yeah, you, you, you're not. you're not happy in this bed that we've literally just made for us to climb into.
2: Yeah, you're right. Here I am buying tickets to film festival movies, going around cheating on this one true franchise that I'm tethered to for a long time. I like to dabble. What can I say? I enjoy cinema. Um, but it just makes me worried for the, for the rest of the trajectory. But you know what? Upon reflection, um, maybe the context of watching this in the middle of the night wasn't the smartest viewing choice on my behalf, and maybe I've unfairly colored the film based on that. But whatever's happened, I didn't have a, a, a stupendous time and it is still two and a half hours, and you got to admit that's a whole lot of the girls. Oh man, two and a half hours is it's it's long. Uh, and it's and like they s- tried in the second movie to best it just just for the sake of it because it's only I think a few minutes longer than this one. It's like oh, you thought the last one was long, huh? Huh? Watch this, no plot, longer. Uh,
0: I I I'm inclined to agree i don't think this will ever feel as long as that movie because of the Correct. action because there's there's storylines to follow and people to root for uh but i mean i, I th- yeah certainly as i've said before that reunion between carrie and big in the in the refurbished wardrobe at the penthouse apartment they've bought and sold over the course of the movie um yep. that is some uh yeah that, 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 that did put the fear of <laughs> the fear of god in me Um, what did what aspect of that put the fear of god in you just like i know that diehard fans of the show are frustrated that they wind up together and that's how Mm. i felt as a
2: non-diehard fan of the show at the end of this movie it didn't because big there's no as much as carrie's not a great character in this film like i don't i don't like her she deserves better than big So now I've got the two leading stars of this film, neither of whom I'm rooting for, and I'm supposed to be rooting for their relationship together. And I'm not. And then they get together at the end. It's like, oh, fuck. Can we just chase down Miranda bloody being a peeping Tom for long? Can we spin a movie out of that? Can we just follow for two and a half hours The Adventures of Samantha... Who finally has a, a, a sort of another sexual awakening at age 50 and realizes that what she really loves, what she undeniably can't get enough of, is not just herself having sex, but it is her secretly watching others have sex. And her pursuits uh, through this illegal trajectory of trying to chase down open windows and parted curtains to see coitus in the act, strangers going at it animalistically to satiate her own needs awakened newly in this film yeah i i agree
0: also and i mean even in, a, in simpler terms even the 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 uh split and reunion of miranda and steve i i felt so much more deeply i was much more invested in you know like the the it's the, the fucking big and carry all the shit that comes up between them it's so heady it's like it's all just miscommunicate it's two people who aren't making sure they're on the same page every step of the way. He jilts her because she doesn't
2: pick up her phone before the
0: wedding. If you're that worried, bring one of her fucking mates, dickhead. You know, Miranda and Steve... It's not like
2: they've been best friends forever.
0: Yeah. Miranda and Steve, it's like the reason their relationship comes apart is born of something that you can kind of sink your teeth into. It's like people trying to balance responsibilities in life. And you like both of them, and you know they're a good match, and you want them to get back t- together. I got goosebumps when they were reunited on Brooklyn Bridge. I took a photo of them.
2: I'll send it to you. <laughs> send it to all of us, guy. Yeah, well, we'll, well, that, I... well, let's let's make that the image for the episode. So this, this Absolutely. is the picture that you can but see as the thumbnail. That is a moment that captured Guy's heart. I felt that. <laughs> Steve's so lovely. I'm sorry that he cheated on him, on Marie. I was going to call her Amanda. Well, Boy, I tell you... It's been a while might since Sex in the City too. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'll tell you, you might be sorry, but no one is as sorry by that uh, misstep in the relationship. As the residents of New York City, I put it to you, Timothy Andrew Bat, that the beginning of Brady's turn to the rats and yeah. thirst for supremacy is on account of the tumult... Of living through a trial separation between his
2: two parents as a young boy. You couldn't be more right. There is an undeniable connection between the tension which Brady feels, and he even, you can see him start to try to grab the reins of power at such a young age. On the eve of New Year's, a time known for smooching, he tries to get his parents to kiss because he's been taught the rules of New Year's. You say, Happy New Year! Very loudly when the ball drops, and then you got to kiss someone. And so, as Miranda's um, refreshing his memory on these steps, this protocol to usher in the new harvest, he says, "Happy New Year!" And she says, "Great job!" And then, and then they all they do it together because they're doing the crossover bit where Steve's getting wardship over um, the young king. And he says, "Now you guys kiss." He, you can see him even at such a young age. He must be no older than three in this movie. Try to, try to exert power and put the pieces together. And what have we got now? We're living in a world where Cynthia Nixon's—you know, she's gotten thirsty for it. She's seen what Brady's done with the place. She was married uh, on screen to the mayor of New York, and now she's she's wanting to grab the reins for real. What a what a powerful trio.
0: Well, I mean, what a family. Think about you know yeah. the. The hunger for power and, you know, the effective means of grabbing it that these people have. (laughs) I I agree. I think Brady's seen something broken that he wants to put back together. He feels like it's beyond his grasp or control. And uh, so he swears to himself, uh, come hell or high water, he's going to claw his way to the top and rebuild the relationship that fell apart, not because of him. I mean, no one would want to put that on a child, but certainly... Something that he is, uh, to a percentage point, a part of.
2: Mm. He j- he just wants to start flexing those powerful muscles of his, and he doesn't quite know how to do it yet. Human manipulation skills, not great. But I tell you what, getting in charge of the rats, very, very exceptionally gifted at that. Um, before we sort of round off, Guy, <clears throat> we haven't spoken at all about Carrie's assistant, Louise, or St. Louise from St. Louis, um, as she's cheerfully referred to in the film great character kind of loved her cool cool presence she had this interesting sort of acting style of um quite aloof i would describe her as and, very
0: very warm energy though that sort of uh that casual yeah. approach really she really lights up the screen
2: but didn't like throw she didn't shove it down your throat she was like i i'm a charming character and you will come to me and i did I um, really liked her. I was very disappointed to see her go, even though I knew that she wasn't in the second movie. I was like, ah, oh, dang it. Of course. Yeah. Um, she's in a lot of the movie though. And I think that the movie is all the better for it. Um, she think... looks up with her back with her boyfriend, which didn't seem like a great bit of writing to me because it was sort of, all the men in this movie are uh, not super perfect, um, but we only get referred to what's his name? Phil or bit. Well, his name's Will. Um, it, it, he tells her that he loves her, but uh, she's not the one. But then by the end of the film, they they get back together, and it just feels like she should have traded Did, up, you know, gotten some self worth. Uh, yeah, look, I don't, I don't know about that. I think it's played by Jennifer Hudson,
0: who I can't remember. I think she was a singer. I can't remember if she was an actor or a singer first, but I feel like this was uh, this role was part of her her uh, you know her ascendancy in, in uh
2: Hollywood. I mean, it seems absurd Is to that Jennifer Hollywood. Hudson yeah yeah I'm pretty sure it is. Jesus Christ, I don't know anything about anything I did not I did not know but didn't did, not did put you that not together.
0: there was a, there was a certain part of her story I mean I also obviously we both knew she wasn't going to be in the second film, so in some way she was to be written out. Uh, there was an element of uh, the sort of the magical you know like she's essentially brought in to fix up Carrie Bradshaw's life. Uh, and then once once she's rebuilt her, she you know is magic. She magically disappears again. Um, not to say I didn't enjoy her while it was
2: happening, but uh, it, it did feel a little tropy to me. What do, I was just checking, it was Jennifer Hudson. What felt tropy? Sorry, given the short is it Jennifer I Hudson? Just tuned out while I was googling. Yeah, it is. Yeah,
0: uh, just like she's she's essentially brought into the film to to rebuild Carrie Bradshaw. Uh, And then as soon as it works, you know, a fairy godmother type character. uh, As soon as it works done, she she goes, oh, and I'm back to St. Louis. And you're like, okay. Christ,
2: you're right. I hadn't framed it quite so um, perfectly, but you're absolutely right. little fairy godmother that comes in, fixes, and then fucks off. Um, She should have stayed in New York. She should have taken over Carrie Bradshaw's empire. Carrie's on the wane. Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, and we soon find that out. Look, I, I, I understand you've got an appointment to get to. We've been talking about this for a while. I mean, there's still I still have uh, reams of notes over here. So excited am I oh. by the prospect of this film.
2: Uh, but before let's, we go... Let's get another watch in like ASAP. Let's get in the pool. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I'd like to say, uh, at the
0: end of the movie, they wrap it up as is their want with a beautiful bit of uh, Carrie Bradshaw voiceover. Yeah. Uh, where she sort of reflects upon the lessons learned and the experiences shared by her and her friends. Uh, the closing voice of it goes along the lines of, uh, and there in the same city where they met as girls, four New York women were finally, and all I could think in my head, just on a loop, the words in my head were going over and over, going, grown ups, grown up,
2: grown ups. <laughs> 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 the, the circle of life is almost complete. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you to this episode's sponsor, Mr. Big's Big Old Pants. The classic suit can't be beat. This is true. Style never goes out of fashion. But what you may not know is that the modern gentleman needs the airflow and unpredictability of Mr. Big's Big Old Pants. Do do you want to see some pant legs that don't quite hit the floor or, or even the top of your shoe? You need Mr. Big's Big Old Pants.
0: The make uh, that I was specifically referring to from the range of Mr. Big's big old pants, I believe, were called Caprizies. Uh A Capri pant with insulated pockets containing tin foil and uh, cling wrap so that you can put unwrapped cheeses, oils, tomatoes, and basil leaves in your pockets for daytime snacking. Uh, Tim, a pleasure. I hope you feel better. I hope your knee gets better. And I'll be talking yeah. to you. Very soon.
1: We just have a good rhythm together. You know, he sort of feels me out. I feel him out and uh, we go for it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high end brands. And the best part?